What is this? For the masses. Mmm, I like this for the masses. <laughs> Episode three. The numbers keep going up. I'm excited. I'm grateful, and I'm blessed. Right. And my next guest. That's a bar. I'm a rapper. But my next guest has 20 years of ministry experience. Seven of those years being in youth ministry, 13 being in higher ed and student leadership ministry. He's a spiritual director. He has a master's of business administration and a master's of theology and leadership. He's a director of mission at Southern Oklahoma Hospital. He's a mentor. He's a friend. And I'm grateful we get to sit down with David Agins and we get to talk about building community. Let's jump into the episode for the Masses Podcast. Welcome to For the Masses Podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Jonathan Barrett. I'm super excited and elated for our guest to have tonight, David Agins. How are you doing? Good. Call me Putty. Everyone else. David Putty Agins. There you go. Dude, I'm super excited to talk to you. I know we talk a lot, but this is going to be awesome. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, Putty. So I'm not going to lie. When I first met you, I thought you were crazy. A lot of people think that. Yeah. So how I first met you, I, I saw you walk through the, the like the campus square and went through the bushes. And I was like, who's this <laughs> tall, slender guy that's just on a college campus walking through the bushes like he had on a mission? I was like, dude, this dude is like different. What you was know, I doing? I don't know. I feel like you were like on the way to a, like a, like a, like a meeting or something. And, um, you know, I just got on campus. I think me and you came the same year. Was that 2013? 2013. Yeah, so I just got there. I saw you. I was like, this guy is, like, different, man. I don't know what's going on. And um, when you obviously say different, later, JB, what do you mean by different? I was just like, why is he going through the bushes? <laughs> I was like, there's clearly a walk path. But either you were, like, <laughs> just, like, don't like paths and, like, listening to, like, societal rules, or you were late for something. And Probably. I think it was the latter. <laughs> no, I, I mean, if you had your shoes off, like like you, I've seen you a few times. Like I would, I would think it's that too. Yeah. You know, but later on, eventually, I learned that you were uh, a campus ministry. You were one of our campus ministers on campus. Um, I think you made an immediate impact on campus at our university. So, so, play talk a little bit about your like your journey up until that point until we cross paths. So I've done ministry at this point for about over 20 years. So I graduated from Gonzaga university. And at the time, this is 2005, my school sent the most amount of people to do a year of service than any other school at size. So it was really good and service oriented. And uh, I wanted to to give back, but I also wanted to to pursue music. I got my major was poli sci and my minor in theology and music. And so I tried to get to Seattle, but I couldn't make it. So I got a job. I remember I sent three resumes out to Portland, and one was uh, as a youth minister. I'm like, I'll do that so I can play music and kind of learn my craft and to be able to to go to a bigger city. So I I did that and ended up. And the the average Catholic youth minister at the time lasted about six months to a year. And I ended up lasting about six or seven years. Wow. So I just must be crazy. Um, or I had a great um, uh, staff around me and great, great leadership and wow. a great pastor. Why was the turnaround, the turnover so like high? Um, it's just a lot of a ministry doesn't pay a, a whole lot. And then it's also um, 
about leadership. So if I think if you have a, a people either do one of three things, they either uh, they either if there's a problem that arises, they they stand their ground. Or number two, if they do stand their ground, they better be okay with the repercussions of that. Or three, they leave with their feet. Yeah. And I, and I had a place that I just absolutely loved um, what I did. And I loved the people I was with. Um, I still look at pictures and, and movies. I'm like, that was a fun time. Yeah. And let me tell you, just jumping in and out of bushes was the least of what I did back then as a youth minister. So it was <laughs> fun. Did a lot of great things. Um, got to play music, did conferences, learned how to record music. I w- I've been blessed beyond uh, belief, and I still I'm going back there uh, in two days, which will be fun for a mentor. Uh, she's getting married. She's 77, and she's getting married to an 81 year old. So yeah, you talk about her a lot. I lo- I love Sandy Zidell. So she's she's a hoot and a holler, and uh, so I've been formed so much by th- those people in my early years. And uh, so I did that. There wasn't a place really to go after six or seven years. I built a program. I felt I did a good job, and then. Um, I did higher ed for the next, for another uh, seven or seven or 10 years. And um, I was a spiritual director, director of retreats. Um, and it really was a, a great p- point because I love college ministry because if they're in front of you, they usually, they're not being forced to, and they're generally um, authentic about where they are in their life and who they are and where they want to be and what they're called to be. Absolutely. And so, you know, Putty, like you were super impressionable on me and I know a few other people just because like, A, you're super approachable. B, you're funny. Uh, you were giving me like more contemporary vibes too. Like you didn't give me like Catholic minister vibes, you know, you gave me like contemporary, like I play in a band, I walk around campus with my shoes off and like, you know, I'm trying to have fun and like, you know, I get to know people. Why is that? Is that just your personality or like, you know, what, like what like prompted you to be so like open? Um, you know, I, I like once again, uh, I've had really good mentors. Um, I, I was trained by the Jesuits, and if you think Jesuit uh, universities, you think Fordham, you think Georgetown, you think Gonzaga. Uh, really good, uh, holistic training and education, right? And so, like mind, body, spirit, and I've just had really good leadership and really good examples um, to to this day. And I oh. think that he is uh, trying to to surround yourself with with uh, <laughs> with people are that that are better than you, so they kind of they pull you up mm-hmm. to their level. So I, I agree. And and for me, like you were just super relatable. You know, you wore jeans, you wore a t shirt, you like come we come to mass on Sunday. You're in your, your jeans and your polo at mass. I'm like, oh man, so you can like you know you can be a, like a believer and you know still like be contemporary, be open. And that was like super like amazing to me. No, be normal yeah yeah you can be normal bro. and like you're not like you didn't act like you were better than anyone or anything like that so super super impressionable so you end up like starting higher education you come to willing jesuit willing west virginia and you get there and what was the state of campus ministry when you got there so we had a director there and i, I had an opportunity to go to some other places and there was a a, a a friend and mentor of mine and she said the director who's jamie brogan uh, is is absolutely wonderful. So whenever you take a new job, um, after um, going to uh, working at places that are not so great, you learn to ask what questions to ask. And one of them is, well, why is the person leaving? And who is the leadership? What is the leadership style? And uh, the my boss, Jamie Brogan, it was absolutely uh, wonderful, absolutely fantastic. And she said, he is he's worth his weight in gold. And when I got there, he... Uh, created an environment for the people under him to thrive. 
And at that time, um, there was me, there was Colleen Ryan, there was a new judgment called Father Hottie and, uh, and Beth Collins in the service office, not service office, but in the Appalachian Institute. And we were just really all on fire to, to, to do great things um, along with the theology department. So it was just mind, body, spirit, really good professionals, really competent people, um, and great leadership. And I, once again, even to this day, the people that I lead, I think, uh, what would Jamie Brogan do? And he <laughs> creates an environment for people under them to thrive. So kind of like, I believe it was Aristotle who talks about this, like a good leader, a good order. And I think a good leader has these three attributes, which is one, they don't know the answer to it, but if they don't know the answer, if they're not an expert and they don't know the answer, they'll find you the answer. Number two, they have integrity. Number three, they care about you. And so I think uh, all leaders, all communities, if you have a leader like that, if you have a coach like that, like Sean Doyle or Danny Irwin, you will follow them to the grave um, just because um, I think that's, those are the, the attributes that people love and they follow and they, they need. Absolutely. Those are definitely like attributes of like amazing leaders and like all three of those guys I would go to war for, you know, and I'm a pretty like my temperament is pretty like mellow, but like those guys, if they told me to do something, I would do it, you know, and Jamie Brogan, he's like just a phenomenal individual. Like, and I think, like, right, he was just, like, amazing, you know, and eventually we ended up both working for him, but he was just, like, like, the ma- the manager's manager, um, in a sense of, like, kind of get you to do things, like, that he needed you to do, but in your way, you know, and that was phenomenal, and also how to cultivate your own gifts, you know, so yeah. when he first hired me, he sat me down, he was like, Jonathan, your, you know, your gifts are your ability to love community, you know, people want to be around you. And um, so I recommend you use that to, you know, fulfill your, your job. You know, did he do anything that with you? With you? Um, no, I think once again, it's just cultivating your, your gifts. Um, I've been in many places uh, where they say you have to, you have to fit a certain a box or act a certain way or have a certain acumen. I think wherever I've been, I think uh, who I am has gotten to where I am today, which is good because it's authentic. Um, it's quality. It means something. It brings people together, um, and it's faith-filled. And hopefully, it's, it's leading other people to God and to be the best version of themselves as possible. Well, I think it definitely does. You know, because you look at me, you're like right, I transitioned from being a peer minister to a resident minister, right, to volunteering at the local church with Micah. And then you look at like guys like me and Micah, you know, and just like that slew of guys who was at core man club of guys mm-hmm. who just wanted to be there because they wanted like to understand like be happy and want more and you know be, it's okay to be vulnerable type of guys and you know putty's there every wednesday you know uh, so we had a faith sharing group called man club where we all got together we we uh did highs and lows of the week we sung hymns and you know putty you're like the first like f- like guy f- man figure that was like getting super vulnerable in those settings with us and that we could be ourselves yeah you know? i think that's, that's the model that, that jesus showed us absolutely leading by example you know, um, and uh, like, so let me go back to that too. Like my thing was always just like, you know, when we, especially when we talk about church, you know, we're talking about like, if church is a hospital, it's there for the sick, you mm-hmm. know? So we shouldn't shun people, you know? And I've always like, l- like had that, like that mindset of like, kind of like leading by example. I never wanted to like, you know, force anything on you, on anyone. And I feel like you, you, you're the epitome of that, buddy. Honestly. Well, hopefully, I think is um, Proverbs twenty seven seventeen. Iron sharpens iron. Um, yeah. Our our job is is to maybe bend people, maybe not, but hopefully not break them. Yeah. Um, and what, once again, I think we all need accountability. I think we all need um, to re- surround ourselves with people who will 
who are will tell us where our blind spots are. I was thinking about that today. I'm like, huh? Like uh, Bob Goff has a great thing. His his wife in in Love Lives Love Lives Here, I think it is his wife's book, and she says like she has a board of trustees. Right. Yeah. So who are the people who are, who, are, who are in your tight circle that can be able to tell you things that you need to hear, but things you don't want to hear? And one of my old coaches, Mark German, I think I remember him saying, he goes, it'll be a sad day when your coach stops critiquing you and stops uh, giving you advice, because there's a moment where mentors will stop doing that. And I always fear that when they stop doing that, they stop caring. And it's so true. So true. And I, I, I do think iron sharpens iron. Definitely. I think we did that for each other. You know, I grew, I grew so much in that time where eventually you trusted me to like, you know, meet with other students and, you know, uh, get, get vulnerable to other people. And I feel like we grew, we grew quickly, um, in that community we had. So, so buddy, when you first got to the university, like what, what struck you immediately about the type of kids that were there? They were, um, so West Virginia is kind of known for, for, um, they were they were called by the Jesuits there to educate a region that that needed education, right? Absolutely. And so I've always kind of been kind of a blue collar kind of person. I like going to places that are that are not the norm. When I was a youth minister, I was in um, in Portland, Oregon, so that's considered mission territory. We're only ten to fifteen percent of the people in two thousand five were actually practicing any religion at all, and. I, I prefer that. And then I was in Montana and I was in, in West Virginia. Um, I'm, I'm kind of a blue collar guy myself. I'm just kind of, I'm, I'm not a heady guy. I can kind of maybe grasp heady concepts. I have an MBA and a master's in theology, but I'm, I'm always like, dumb it down. Talk to me like a four. Um, and I think that always helps me because like, um, if you can't explain it, <laughs> to a four-year-old, it's kind of too theoretical. And if I if I can't take theology and, and make it practical, um, I'm missing a step, or I'm, I'm missing a a gift to be able to t- tell the masses. In fact, C.S. Lewis did um, all of his writings, and he wrote his in his memoirs. Until the church is able to explain God to the common man, I will keep continue to write the way that I do. And man, that is that is so needed. And I think Wheeling was just a beautiful place at the time. Wheeling Jesuit University, that is no longer uh, what it is today. Um, <laughs> uh, yes. But where it was, it was able to meet people where they're at. And um, how do you sell something that people need but they don't want? And I think the answer to that is you encounter them, you live with them, and you you, you question them, and you encourage them to be the best version of themselves that uh, they're called to be, that God's calling them. And you hold them accountable, right? And you're meeting them where they are in a sense of like you're leading by example. Like I'm not asking you to do anything that I'm not doing. You know? Yeah. And and that's the big part because I think even for me as a leader right now, you know, in the team, I show them like, oh, I'm not asking you to do anything that I'm not willing to do. Absolutely. You know, and, and that was big. So so you get there, you notice the type of like kids and students that were there. So we move forward, and, and I would say we had exponential growth. I would say year after year we doubled to the point where we had to get a new location. So, like, yeah. how how did you have to, like, you? I feel like you pivoted. So, again, you started in, implementing peer ministers throughout yeah. to, help, to help manage that. So, like, where would you get that idea from? Because uh, I couldn't do it all myself? Uh, <laughs> you would have tried. Uh, yeah. Uh, you tried. So a couple of things. One is if you're if there's just one or two campus ministers. Um, so if there's me and Colleen and Hottie, that's three campus ministers on a campus of like 1,100 people. That's not enough. Hopefully, we're all campus ministers. If if we're all 
believing in the motto to be to create men and women for life, leadership, and service with and among other people. Um, we're all we're all called to be campus ministers, and uh, we had a, a a collaboration with people who were all on board with that. But once again, there comes a point where I, I, I'm an old fella, and um, I always know in youth ministry when it was time to go, when people couldn't relate to you as well. Um, yeah. And I always knew that like resident ministers like you, Nick Cochran were perfect examples where people would come to you because you were younger to them. You were um, closer to them because you're in the, the residence hall. Um, they were able to do that. Um, and I think it's, it's good to be able to have the gift, but it's, it's better to be able to pass it on. Like you, you can, um, I don't know, it, it's, it, if it's just me doing it, it's not sustainable. So how can you make something sustainable? And I think um, it's the proof is in the pudding where it's quantitative and qualitative. So like when we left, we had the, the most participation in school history of retreats in small groups and sending the most people to, to years of service. And that's just not one person. It's, it's the com- entire community. It's the, it's the faculty. It's, it's, it was Colleen. It was Hottie. It was Jamie. It was Beth Collins in the Institute. It was Tom Briding. Um, it was just the, the relationships. Um, and one of the things that still strikes me today is I'm a, uh, an executive in healthcare that it's all about relationships. And it's all about strengthening those and being authentic and trusting and once again calling ourselves to be the best version of ourselves and our, the best organizations that we can possibly form. Um, and how do you build build structures to emphasize that? No, and, and it's so true. Like, you know, it's really about relationships. And I, I feel like the community we built and the relationships we built there like transcend even to now, like seven, eight years later. Like, when my mom passed away, like, the love that I got from the Jesuit community was just, like, overwhelming, to be honest, you know? Yeah. And I'm talking, like, thoughtful, thoughtful stuff. I'm talking, like, handwritten letters, you know? Uh, I got a bracelet from some of the CAB students, you know? Just, like, mm-hmm. saying you're not alone, mm-hmm. you know? And, um, and, that, and, that, and that's the, the best thing for me, especially when they translate into, like, life, you know? And you yeah. see the things that they learn uh, at the university, you know? Just make them better people, you know? And, um... I don't know if you see that in like me and Micah and Nick Cochran. He was so transparent. I was like the most transparent person I've ever met in my life. Right? I just and, talked um, to him the other day. Uh, really? Well, we got to do a call. We got to do a oh, call. Oh, that would be, that, man, that would be a good person to have on a podcast. But uh, man, there's, there's a couple things like community is so important because we, we are called to be in community. Like there's a beautiful uh, thing, even from the, the teaching of the catechism, the human person needs society. Society is a requirement of human nature through the exchange with others, mutual service and dialogue with his brethren. And I, even like, if you want to go to econ into the world of like Adam Smith and, and all that, like we need to be in interaction with people. Like I don't have enough on my own. I have to enter into a social contract. And that's where we get like into political systems, right? Where we are stronger together. Uh, a beautiful African uh, proverb was like, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go with people. Absolutely. And, and I think if you look at any good organization, it, it's building bridges and, and collaborations with other people. I agree. And especially if you're doing it together. Because like, so me and Micah, we did a podcast and his was more about cultivating that community and like warring the ground where you're at. And um, me and Micah for uh, Lent in Prayer one year, we read a book. We did, we read a book called The Power of the Other, you know? Mm. And it's like real scientific studies that really show that like when you're doing something for someone else, you're, you're, you're stronger, you know, you're able mm. to achieve more. And uh, super, super powerful. And, and, and this goes to show like, 
like would you would you help me and Micah cultivate within ourselves have translated you know to the point where we still talk about these things like, like now you know so like with that being said like how do you help people find their callings um i think a couple things one is awareness and i think community is good with that because if you never if you don't if you're never told you're wrong you yeah. just keep going through life thinking like you're you're the person right so um as keegan driscoll would say i'm gonna put a pin in that um but to to be aware of of things and um to, to course correct like jb i could say i'm sorry but if i don't if i say i'm sorry and i don't do anything to fix my actions like i don't want an apology i want i want actions or behavior that's changed so i could go and key your car and like jb i'm sorry i keyed your car <laughs> or i could say jb i i keyed your car and i'm sorry i was angry and i'm gonna go whatever shop you want me to take it to i'm gonna take it there um i'm going to 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 make things right so i'll, I'll just make it very uh, a plain example so there's a time we were on a retreat and father hottie had a, a really nice camera and i didn't know how nice of a camera the man actually had uh, he had a very nice camera. What I didn't know is that he had an even nicer lens that went to the camera. So the camera is probably like fifteen, two thousand dollars, and his 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 lens itself was probably two or three thousand dollars. It was a lot. And long story short, I I broke it. Like we were taking pictures, and he's a little slower than I am. He's like the yin to my yang. He's slow. I'm fast. Yeah. Um, and we're like, okay, let's, let's let's speed it up. We got some stuff to do. We have a retreat going on. And I broke the lens because it it fell off the tripod. Um, he goes, that's okay. I, I'll fix it. Like oh it's still God. broken, but I can make it work. I'm like, <clears throat> um, and it, long story short, it took me seven hundred dollars uh, to fix his camera. To put that in context, that was my take home after two weeks. Oh my! And I, I put the receipt in afterwards, and I gave it to him. And when he looked at that, and he got his his lens that was fixed, and he knew how much it costs. Uh, once again, it's uh, a blessing has three things. One is to be seen, two is to speak well of, and three is to sacrifice so others may live more abundantly. And after that, I think he's like, okay, you actually do care about me when you say I'm sorry. You're not just saying I'm sorry. I'm like, mm, okay, no, I'm sorry. I'm going to make it right, and it won't happen again. Yeah, and so that's like action, action behind the words. Yeah, um, St. Ignatius said a beautiful thing, like love ought to show itself in deeds more than words. Absolutely. Uh, and I think, how do you, how do you help people find their calling? I think there's uh, th three things that you can do is one is, um, uh, does it make you a better version of yourself in the Catholic world that we would say like, we're all called to be saints said differently. We're called to be the best version of ourselves. Number two, does it bring you closer or farther away from God? If it brings you closer to God at the end of the day, that's probably where you're supposed to be going. And number three, after, at the end of the day, when you're tired and you're exhausted, does it bring you peace or does it bring you fear and anxiety or regret? Yeah. There's a, there's a, there's a, there's a wrestler buddy of yours and he, man, he was, he had a really good transformation and uh, his, I think it was a sophomore and junior year. Um, Keegan at the end of the day goes like, I am exhausted. But when he was, when he was in bed falling asleep, he would say like, but it's that good peace that, that fills my, my life and my, my, my soul and my spirit. And, I think once again, once again, that points to where you're supposed to be going. Um, it makes you happy, you know, exhorting, right. exhorting God. Like it's a, like a, a internal peace that hits you that like you can't explain. And I think another way you get that is like being grateful, you know, yeah. uh, oh, being absolutely. grateful for things that hit you, you know, so, you know, generosity. 
I agree, one hundred percent. And um, and I think Keegan was like the best guy to like really like understand that concept because he's the type of guy like zero to one hundred. So if he's going to do something for someone, he's going to do it. You know, and that's, that's what I love about him. That's one hundred percent true. So how like so how do you feel like like all right these callings I cultivated in these individuals like like are you happy with the end result of like them going out into the world and keep on doing things like obviously like Micah's doing his thing he's doing a year of service now with his wife like yeah. you know and that's radical faith I told Micah that's radical faith you know you, you you had a good situation going on you know you were doing what you love but you decided to get uncomfortable and your wife was willing to step out there with you. You know, and um, I was like, I, I just like look up to him a lot in that aspect because he, he, he did what God wanted him to do, you know, and he didn't know how it was going to work out, but he did it, right? Absolutely, yeah. And man, and once again, he surrounded himself with his friend group were, were, were fantastic and phenomenal. I, I don't, I can't say enough good things about it, but it's also, um, I love this analogy of, of Richard, I think it's Richard Rohr, um, where he gives an, an example, like in, in the desert, you have all these, these beautiful cactus, cacti, maybe, and they, they, all these seeds fall to the earth. And it's only something like 90 or 95% of them, they all die. So only like five or 1% actually give life. And like the, the seeds actually give life to new cacti. I'm like, only like five or one percent. Like that's horrible. Horrible. If you've ever been through Arizona, you will notice that there are loads and loads of cacti all over the place. So it's it's even even like I I didn't even know I made that big of a difference on you. And then you asked me to do this. I'm like, oh, oh, that's good to know. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> so you're just like planting seeds and you water it. And um, the as Anthony DeMello, my favorite Jesuit, says, like the nature of water is the same and make marshes, uh, make thorns grow in the marshes and flowers grow in the garden, right? But your job is just to dance your dance, uh, to be the most authentic person that God is calling you to, and hopefully have awareness and detachment so that um, you can prioritize your your life uh, appropriately. Absolutely, and it's about like having faith and like being present and you know and being there and meeting people where they are right now in the present. Because I feel like even with that parable, like you, like you drop the seeds, ninety five percent don't work, but that five percent comes the next season, yeah. you know. And that's what it is. And I think that's what it was for us. Like our, our season was over there, you know, but we're here now, and you know we're still in contact, you know. Even before I make major life decisions, I call you. you know? <laughs> but and, and it's beautiful too. Like, um, uh, and good teachers and good mentors do this too. Where. Um, on your team, there's there was something special. I think Sean Doyle kind of describes that your year or your years there was like it, there was something magical. I, I think it was uh, once again our mission was to create men and women for life leadership within and service within among others, and it was within among many people at, at the school. We were all workers in the vineyards, and we all played our part. And like, there's a point where I don't. I don't, I don't go there and I'd push people to the counselor. I'd push people to Colleen and she did women's ministry and she's one of the best people as, as you know, that you'll ever meet. And it was just a beautiful uh, collaboration of, of meeting where people uh, where they are and inviting them. There's been so many people where um, I remember there's a, there's a soccer player I invited for four years to do anything. And then he led the freshman overnight and then he, and he went on Kairos and it, at the, his life was radically changed and that was four years of just like investing and investing. Um, or if you look at um, so many other leaders where like you have a, a wonderful student, I'll brag on her, Mo Stolman, where now she's, she's getting her PhD to like to continue on to help people like with, with uh, in counseling. I'm like, 
are you kidding me? Like, that's yeah. awesome. And those are things that you don't notice, like, when they, even when they graduate, you notice, like, three or four years later when you maybe get a little message or um, Mimi Ernest, who got her, uh, I think it was her doctorate of, of PT, right. and the, the sheer amount of amazing work that she's been able to, to bring to the world of, of science and, and doctors and medicine, like, it, it is crazy. And once again, you, you don't always realize it in the moment, but you realize that maybe – one, five, 10, 15. I, I have people even 20 years later, I'll, I'll, they, they send a, a message later. I'm like, oh, I didn't know that made an, uh, a difference for you. So, <laughs> for example, uh, this is 2011, 2012. Um, I'm, I'm on the way to a, a, a wedding I'm in up in um, Alaska. And I get this text and said, Putty, I just want to let you know I kept my promise. And I was like, great, <laughs> awesome. Who are you and what was the oh, promise? <laughs> ah, I, I feel bad. Um, but it was like 2011 and it's, it's, it's many years later. Um, and it was a, it was a story of a, of a person who was, a, who was an athlete. And he said, uh, I was going to drop out of college and you, you made me promise I'd graduate. And then I'd let you, I text you when, when I, when I did it. And so this is, this is my text. And I wanted to let you know that not only did I do that, uh, not only did I graduate, but I'm a, like the national champion, um, in, in track. I'm like, Oh, wow. That's so crazy. Yeah. So like, and those are things you, you, you plant those seeds about five, 10, 10 years ago. And then they, they, you find out what they grew into. And, and, and that's the beautiful part about it. And a, a trait with, I would say that like you help specifically with your accountability was like, you help people step out on radical faith, you know? Yep. And, um, and I think that was a Mo did because Mo, she was undergraduate. She was like biology or something like that or English, you know, and then she got a master's or something else. And then she got her PhD in something else. But she was OK with that, you know. And I, and I think just like hanging around us and the type of community we built, it was a community of like, hey, radical faith, try different things. Yeah. yeah. And even like radical love. Um, we were on a retreat and she goes like, what do I do in this situation? And I said, just just love them. And she goes, oh. That's it. Like, yep. <laughs> we'll do that. See what happens. And an amazing thing happens. And, and not everybody's ready for accountability, right? Um, I think as future directors where I left on day one, I'm like, nope, not ready for that. Too real, too, uh, too self-revealing. Um, that, that's fine. Uh, and, and once again, hopefully good leadership and good spiritual directors and good faith, uh, it bends you, but it doesn't break you. And it makes you a better version of yourself. Um, I think delightful things make for make for a delightful life, but self and uh, and growth are reserved for things and people that cause us pain. And I think if you can have people that work help you work through that, um, I think you're going to be uh, a person that gives life wherever you are. I think pain that's not transformed it gets transmitted onto other people. That's real because it is transferred. It's transferred. It never dies, right? Yeah. And, and, I, and, I, and I agree. I agree with that. So, so Putty, like with all that being said, like key takeaways from this talk would be, so do you think the end result was community building or do you think it was investing in a lot of different people and the outcome was community? I think the outcome is to, to be aware of what your gifts and talents are and, and how you uh, can help a community, right? So um, some people think faith is just um, independent, like it's my it's my salvation is with my uh, with God and me. But God calls us to community, like radical love and radical community. And uh, there's a 
there's a retreat that I do um, based on the Enneagram, right? So there's different personality types that people have and they all respond to God differently. But uh, how are we all called to live ourselves out in the way that God has uh, um, called us to and complement and, and grow with and among other people? Um, so I think hopefully my leadership style is, is, is much like kind of like yours or like, or Micah's like, right. You wouldn't ask anybody to, to do anything you wouldn't do, but also like I'll walk with you. And even, um, even random texts of people who have like, uh, drug addictions to this day, they're like, um, I don't have anyone who, who keeps calling you or who keeps calling me and keeps inviting me to, to change or to go into rehab or, uh, to, to be the best version of myself. It doesn't happen, but my gifts are different than yours, JB, and, and yours in the service uh, are going to look way different. But how can we be into what God is calling us to, and how can we uh, live that out? Like, I love camping. I love going out in the wilderness, and I love it probably most because everything, when I look around me in nature, I was just in Glacier last month, everything in creation is doing exactly what God has called it to. But humans, for some reason, have a hard time of like being in tune with what God is calling them to. So I think super able, hard time. Yeah, <laughs> uh, including myself. Uh, yeah. But I think if you can help people um, find that calling and embrace it and sharpen it, I think that's what is going to make a better citizens and better communities. Um, St. Ignatius said the whole point of um, basically the, the exercises was to be a good, fully formed person so you can help society. And and that is the end goal, right? And it's like, I think us as humans, when we invest so much to get to that end goal, it's like, well, if we don't see any change, any action, it's like, how long do we keep investing? You know, and it's, it's like, God's just like, keep keep doing it. Keep doing yep. it. Seven times seven times seven. Or the prodigal son, like before we can even um, apologize, um, the, the father's out there running and just accepting him and, and loving him and embracing him before he can even apologize. As, as Ned Cocker beautiful. would say, the message of the, of, of, uh, the gospel is, is simple, but it's hard. But it's hard. Nick Cochran, the quotable. So, yeah. buddy, with that being said, as we, as we call out this talk, like, what's one thing you would tell someone that's listening to this that they want to become their best self in God? You know, they want to go and contribute to whatever community they're a part of and meet people where they are. I think um, the one thing would be to have – to try to find awareness – uh, and to be to find your authentic self. So there's a great uh, Jesuit theologian called Bernard Lonergan, and he said, "Good conversion is moving away from something that is unauthentic to something that is more authentic." And for all of us, we have a uh, we have like our, ourselves who we are now, and to the, the the better person we can be. And there's different tools to do that. There's discipline. There's there's mentors. There's self help books. There's the Enneagram. There's the Myers Briggs. I think to go on to and start an adventure to find your most and best authentic self. Cause I think when you do that, when you find your calling, when you find your star, when it rises, you'll, you'll be able to thrive. I, I, I agree. And like, it's like your truest self, you go closer to God, you know, and you exhort God. And then that's what the definition of your light, let your light shine, be that city on the hill. Lucia Lux Vestra. Lucia Lux Vestra. I'm ready to get a tatted, buddy. <laughs> I'm waiting. I don't know. I've been talking about that for a while now, so I don't know. <laughs> so, but, so for, the, for those who are listening, so Lucia Lux Vestra means let your light shine. It's Latin. But, uh, and that was actually the slogan of 
of the school uh, at Wheeling Jesuit University, but there's uh, of your team too. They would, how many people got that tattooed all over the place? So, so many. And right. So it once again, it's that, that same thing, let your light shine, whoever you are, let your light shine in whatever way that you, that God is calling you to, to do that in. Absolutely. And it's, and it's, I don't think you, when you say let your light shine or you try to be that seed on the hill, it's not like a bolsterous light, you know, it's a light where people can find you in the dark. Right. And you have an analogy. I always remember there's a candle in an arena and mm-hmm. there's a, there's a light. And as you get closer, you just go down the arena, the light gets brighter. No. Like it's brighter. So, buddy, this is awesome. I appreciate you jumping on. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. We finally made it, made it on. So, hey, buddy, hey, where can people find you, like, social media-wise? I th- after watching, like, The Social Dilemma, I think I deleted most of all my stuff. But you can find me on LinkedIn, um, David Putty Agins, and then also on, on Facebook. I check that maybe once a month or something. But my LinkedIn, I check that all the time. Awesome. That's where the professionals live. <laughs> there we go. that. All right. Hey, thanks, buddy. All right. Thanks, man. Putty's such a knowledgeable guy, and he's just genuine about wanting to the best for people. He's genuine about wanting to get the information to people. He's genuine about his faith and helping people understand that. Putty said during this episode, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. That's so profound. We reference a book that me and my buddy Micah read, The Power of the Other. How far can you go when you have people around you that also want to go far? It's amazing. And I'm grateful Putty was able to bring all those insights from his experience to the masses community. I'm super grateful. Episode 3, and we're up. This podcast is dedicated to my mother, Alfredo Bullock. She ran her race with elegance and pride. I love you forever and always.